pulled a real putz move here, which, uh, you know, one man team trying to put together these live events and stuff. And every live event that we've done at people's houses have been, I mean, there's so much fucking fun. There's no venue. So there's no cost. You get to bring all your own beers. Uh, we get to party late. You get to hit like they, they've all been really, really fun. Uh, with that being said, there's a lot to coordinate and sometimes you book a show at somebody's house and somehow you manage to delete the email and then you spend two hours looking through your Instagram, Facebook messages, every single inbox and you realize this is why you shouldn't be in charge of things because you're horribly disorganized and where's the team of women that will take care of all the organizational work for you and then you remember what your ticket sales look like and that there possibly isn't you know, enough resources to necessarily even pay yourself the comics, the airlines, everyone wants their cut. Everyone wants their cut. You don't have a you don't have the resources for a team of women who can take care of the organizational work for you. Anyways, this is what I'm getting at. If you're the person who offered up their house in Albany with the sweet basement with the bar that you were building out, can you please send me an email at robsnewsroom at gmail.com or direct message me on Twitter or Instagram? Because I cannot find your information. I've sold tickets. People are coming after me. They're like, hey. Where's this event going on? Where's the address? And I'm like running around my house trying to look at my notes, look at receipts, see if I can figure it out and get them the address. I don't know what it is. So just get back to me. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Shoot me an email so that I can tell the other people the address. And if I don't hear from you within about a week or so, I'll probably have to find a, a bar or make some changes to the venue. And speaking of putts moves, I also discovered that there were time zones. I'm blaming Eventbrite on this one. I'm really, I'm going to blame Eventbrite on this one for Chicago that you know you put in the location that you're in Chicago and then you pick the times then all of a sudden you find out that you're still on Eastern come on event right you're a tech company you, you should automatically be switching up times so anyways just go if you if you guys are coming out for Chicago it's going to be uh I'm really happy that we sold out the first show which meant that I was able to uh afford uh bringing BK Chris with me who's really one of my favorite comics to work with so it's going to be uh I'll probably do a couple of minutes of stand up up top. BK Chris is going to do probably about a half hour. Then I'm going to run my end of your recap. Uh, we're going to hang out for about a half hour. And then we're going to run a second show, which is going to be new stand up sets and then a live podcast, which every single one of those that we've done has been an absolute blast. Uh, RobbieTheFire.com slash shows. I don't know if the late show link is up over there, but if not, head over to Eventbrite. Uh, anyone uh, watching the show, are you guys possibly from Houston? Because I will say that while Skankfest was an absolute blast, Houston might have been the lamest city I've ever seen in my... I've never seen a city where the entire downtown area just feels like a convention area or something. Like, there wasn't a single bar, restaurant, bodega, corner store. Like, it was just like an empty ghost village. It, the entire town, for the duration that I was there, felt like... Um, if you ever go down to, like, the Wall Street Financial District on a Sunday... And you could tell that there's usually a lot of activity there, but for some reason, there's nothing going on. The venue that we did Skankfest at was really cool. There were a couple, like, you know, good place. We ate some delicious barbecue. I hung out with the Okratum guys. We did lunch every day. Uh, but, like, you had to get outside of town for that. I had one morning, and uh, there, there were a lot of thrills at Skankfest. I really got to hang out with a lot of cool people, but this was a particularly fun one for me. There's this guy, Omi, who used to show up uh, when they did LOS in the little room at the Creek in the cave. That was kind of old school. I didn't even smoke weed at that time. And that thing was like a pot sauna. I used to stand at the door because I'm claustrophobic. So I'd stand a little bit outside the bomb shelter. Then they moved to another room and I was doing spots. I, I, I was no longer a regular of LOS, but when they used to be in that tiny room at the back of the Creek in the cave, I used to go every week and it was, uh, it was madness. I was, I was a big fan of that show. I still am. I love the show. I just don't listen or watch other podcasts as regularly, but that, so anyways, he was one of the regulars. 
I had the first night of Skank Fest. I was not. I was trying to pace myself. I wasn't planning then rookie move. I still went pretty hard on that first night. It was worth it. I was hanging out with some cool people, so no regrets. It was, but I went hard that first night. I get into the the town, and uh, I I think I was just looking for food, and there's no fucking food in the town. And then I start walking around, and I'm just like cursing out street corners. I'm being a real maniac. I'm hungover. I'm nervous about all the work I got to do that day. I've got shows. I got to memorize my set. I got like, I, I got to take care of booths. Like there's just shit going on. And I just want some fucking breakfast so I can rally. And I'm being a maniac, like flew in the night before, just fucking hungover. Can't even find water. It's a million degrees because it's fucking Texas. And I run into this guy, Omi, and I'm just walking around being a man. I'm like, I'm going to fucking, you coming with me, man? And then we probably walked a mile. We found some delicious tacos. But just shout out to that guy because I was acting like a real nutcase. And he was just like, all right, I'll, I'll venture with you. We'll get some tacos. Um, all right. Here was the other thing uh, that I wanted to say from Skankfest. Definitely hoping to hang out with Sam Tripoli again. We exchange numbers. He's a he's he's a lively guy. He's got my my type of energy, and he's in the know on this stuff. Uh, I was thinking about after you know I'm always thinking about uh, kind of the content that I put together, what I'm reading, what I'm not reading. You only you only have so much uh, time in the day, and I only have so much focus. And it tends to be I find all the conspiracy stuff fascinating. Maybe I got to have uh, Sam on here so he can educate me on some of the things that I'm missing. Uh, but I I will say I, one, I, I don't get to read books all that often. I would say more often than not, I'm kind of spending about an hour or two a day reading what's in the news and I'm spotting the bullshit. And to me, what's most interesting, like if you even look back at the Iraq war, you know, you could kind of you could look at, hey, what's going on here that they're selling us on this thing and then get into the conspiracy of, and at this point, I wouldn't even see this as conspiracy of Dick Cheney going from Halliburton to working in government to trying to make sure that his company is making money. And so, it, you know, he's got this perverse incentive to get these financial contracts to build military bases. And so he's pushing wars for profits. That's a, that is a legitimate analysis. It's a fascinating analysis. And like, you know, you got to delve into the books. There's a lot of things that could be done there. Uh, I feel like if I was in that time, I would be more just kind of reading through the claims to go, hey, they're trying to sell us on this war. I don't think it's a good war. And here's why it's not good. Uh, what I'm saying is the, like the uh, the conspiracy, like even look at the everything to do with Corona. Right. So I've kind of been focused on the fact, hey, I just think they're lying to us. I can't tell you why they're lying to us. I just don't think that this is. Uh, we shouldn't be compliant and that this is clearly uh, not an, on an honest claims from them about our health and that they're not taking the best approach to our health. And I've been really focused on that. I have not been that well researched on the New World Order, uh, DeVos, like because I, to me, sometimes when you start getting into that space, it seems almost uh, like it's a less persuasive argument because if they can't convince the public, it doesn't matter. They won't get their agenda done. And it's kind of hard to dip into specifically what they're doing and how do you educate people about it? Uh, so I don't know. It was just a kind of, you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, Rob's newsroom at gmail.com. Definitely want to hang out with uh, Sam again, want to get his input on a lot of these topics. Uh, but I'm also curious to know if I'm missing some of the bigger picture on the motivations behind what's going on here. Like I, even on the, uh, even if you take the Corona stuff, it is, it does start to get interesting. Like, is it just that pharma is that powerful and they want the profits? And so they managed to somehow coordinate with uh, Fauci and the CDC, 
Or did someone actually go to China and purchase this virus straight up because they're trying to change the structure of the world? So you start you start thinking those ways and you're like, well, how do I prove it? Where do I read? Who would be in the know? Who are the characters here? And they're all fascinating questions. I have not delved that far into that side of the story. I do think it's very interesting. Uh, so if you guys have any input for me on that, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. And uh, speaking of sponsors and Skankfest, dude, at some point I'm going to tattoo my whole fucking body like a, like a NASCAR car. I want to be the most sponsored comic in human history, but as long as I got the sheath hat so we can shout out sheath first. Robert, uh, we got to we got to hang out and party all weekend. Uh, and, you know, you guys know it. I love myself some sheath. I was out in that sweaty Texas sun, hungover, looking for tacos. And if my dick wasn't separated from my nuts and I was sweating all over my legs, it, I never would have found those tacos. I would not have survived the journey because I made the mistake, dude. I bought myself a plane ticket. I went backpack only. I didn't even I didn't even bother with, with the carry on. So I was committed to one pair of jeans for three days. And when you're committed to one pair of jeans for three days, you want to make sure that you're trapping that sweat between. You don't want all that nuts sweat just dipping down into your jeans and ruining your pants for the next three days that you just smell like uh, like homeless nut sacks. You don't want that. That's why you want to make sure you're wearing sheath underwear, the most comfortable underwear in all of underwear. And by the way, they're running crazy Christmas specials coming up soon. I don't know the exact details, but you go to yourself, sheathunderwear.com, and you purchase yourself some sheath. You keep those nuts separated from your dick, and you will have the energy in the morning to yell at random street corners and find yourself some tacos. All right, so let's talk about this trial for a minute. Um, to me, somebody being guilty is different than the need to change the law, which means that an incident can happen where you realize, hey, we don't have a great law here. We better revisit this. Uh, now, what is interesting about this case is I actually think Kyle went there with good intentions, and I think that is uh, being an eye, like that. Th it's called being a kid, and thinking you can actually help people make a difference. The rest of us were adults and we've learned, hey, if there's some crazy shit going on downtown, you got to you got to sit that one out because you're just looking for trouble. But when you're a kid and you're looking for some action, you're looking for uh, you're looking for a little bit of glory. You're looking to make a contribution. You're looking to feel good about yourself. And you see, hey, my downtown is going to be ransacked by other individuals. And, uh, you know, the cops aren't able to handle the situation. So I'm going to go down there. I'm going to do my part to help out. And that's where you need a nice, caring Jewish mother to yell at you, to scream, to cry and go, you can't leave the house. I don't want you leaving the house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. You know, that's what that's what everyone needs. Everyone needs a, a nervous Jewish mom to forecast that if they leave the house, horrible things are going to happen. So you stay home and you play video games instead of actually going and trying to make a difference, which is the mistake that this kid made. This kid made the mistake of saying, you know what, I'm going to go help out and uh, I'm going to throw this gun on my back. And I don't think anyone's going to give me any shit because I got this gun on my back. And little did he know how dumb adults are that people will come attack you in plastic bags. They'll go, hey, this guy's got a gun on his back. So, you know, let's 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 start a water fight. Let's threaten his life a couple times and, you know, chase him from behind and throw a bag at him just for sport. That would be a good time. I'm sure nothing bad will happen if I'm just chasing a guy with a gun. Um, OK, back to this kid went into town with his gun. I, uh, you know, pulled the greatest escape move of all time. How is the prosecutor of all the questions that the prosecutor asked? How is it not? How the fuck were you able to do that? Like, what are these secret CIA skills that you've got some goofy, autistic, nervous kid who just with little gun training other than buying an AR-15 and going with his friend to the range can handle some Jack Bauer fucking 
like just ultimate action movie hero run away like out of men in black can tell the difference between who's a threat to him who isn't a threat to him can memorize his exact story now i'm not saying that this kid isn't 100 in it's i mean the law is the law that that was the part i was trying to point i was trying to make at the beginning of this is that you could say hey i think perhaps um we need to change the law here right is a different thing than saying like the way that the law is currently structured and that he was acting in self-defense it was self-defense that like that's the end of it that this should not even be a court case uh however um it was interesting to me the prosecutor of all the things that he wouldn't ask like just dude between us bros over here i mean not that that soy boy was talking to that guy the prosecution team looked like a fatter jonah hill and um the villain from the fifth element uh and they were not you know I don't know. Well, I guess the fifth element guy is kind of smooth. And then the fat Jonah Hill guy, uh, you almost wonder how that guy is getting out of bed in the morning and showing up. Anyways, what the, I, I, I'm losing my fucking focus here. Back to Kyle Rittenhouse and this trial that is a sham and never should have happened whatsoever because it's so obviously and clearly uh, self-defense. Okay. There is a conversation to be had that I think is interesting that, for example, Let's say there was a Nazi rally going on and I decided I had unbelievable skills and I was going to show up with a gun and I was going to uh, and I was going to provoke them to fight me. Right. So at what point, I guess, does provoking people to attack you not constitute self-defense, which is interesting. But then I also think what's interesting about this case is that, you know, people are acting violently. And I guess if a lot of people like a Kyle Rittenhouse did show up with guns, perhaps you would live in a different environment where you wouldn't have as many people who felt comfortable just going out there and rioting uh, because apparently the cops do not have the manpower skills or just desire to be protecting people's businesses. Uh, so as much as the left is upset about the fact that people can own guns or act like vigilantes, what exactly is their suggestion as being a better option? I mean, in, in all truth, if if you live in a town and people are going to go into the town square and literally just destroy buildings and then private individuals go, well, I don't want to live in a town where people can just show up and destroy buildings. And so they show up with guns to protect them. And then if they're attacked, they end up shooting people. Uh, I'm not really sure like that. That's like not you know what I mean? It's like people are showing up to be violent and destroy buildings. And so I understand even even like because uh, we, we have like that new highway law now, I don't think you should be able to just go stand on a highway and block traffic. And so I do think that we can just institute, hey, if you're in the highway and you're blocking traffic, uh, you know, you're not at fault for hitting that guy. That guy should not be walking into the highway and stopping traffic. And then in this case, it was already kind of a given of if a person's destroying property, you're not allowed to shoot them. Uh, now, I agree with that. Right. You shouldn't just we, we shouldn't just. Pro but. If you were to make a law in a town that people are allowed to defend their property, imagine you made that law where you go, hey, listen, we know that a lot of people are going to go outside and protest. And I'm not saying this is an absolute. I'm not saying that this is if I was in charge tomorrow, I would make this the law. What I'm saying is that this is interesting questions to think about. But let's just say we wanted to have a nonviolent city. Right. And we don't want to have a place where people can just show up and destroy people's businesses. So you go, if you own a business, you're allowed to own a gun and you're allowed to defend your business. You're allowed to put up a sign. Hey, if you touch the door of my business, you will be shot. Now, imagine you have hundreds of people going and protecting those businesses. Do you think people are still going to attack those businesses? 
So if we take a step back and we go, well, what we want is like, you know, towns with law and order where businesses are not going to be just fucking attacked. Right. So maybe, maybe the vigil, like people are going nuts about, well, this guy took the law into his own. Well, what was the law doing? Like if the law was, I get it. If the law was working and people's businesses weren't being destroyed, then yes, you, I guess we, we shouldn't have vigilantes because there'd be no reason for the vigilantes. They wouldn't be contributing in any meaningful way, but let's just say you got like a Batman individual and he's actually out there and he's helping the community. Do you really want to be on the non-Batman side that, hey, I don't want some cape guy going out there beating up criminals. That's for the, well, if the cops aren't handling it and you got Catwoman going house to house, stealing everyone's shit and the penguins run around there with umbrellas and, you know, he's taken off into the sky with his dumb fucking laugh and shit, then, you know, maybe, uh, maybe some vigilantes aren't that bad. All right. So quick, uh, quick moments about some of the weasel moves by the prosecutors. So one, they were trying to introduce evidence that the judge already said that they couldn't. Then this is the thing that kind of bothered me most about the prosecution team is that they're running through the video evidence, trying to say that, uh, you know, this other person, they didn't have evidence to say that one of the other individuals didn't have a gun or like they're looking at blurry footage going, this looks to us like he put his gun. And it's like, they're trying to introduce a storyline that they don't have clear cut evidence for. And then the reasoning is, well, we believe this. Why do you get to believe that something is what happened? You should be able to, you're the prosecution team. Like you should be able to go, here's clearly what the evidence is. And so this is a dangerous individual, or this is a person that needs to be punished. You shouldn't be showing up to court trying to string together a narrative so that you can get somebody in trouble. Well, we believe this is what happened. And so we're going to share our beliefs with the jury to see if we can convince them that that was the storyline as well. There's something like just really, really inappropriate about that where I, I mean, I, it, watching this case almost makes me, re, me I, I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how our criminal justice system works. I have not studied it, but there's does seem like there's some sort of a perverse incentive of prosecutors just to be like it, it's like they need this winning record of finding people guilty. Uh, and in this case, I'm surprised that they even wanted to bring this to court. I don't know why they thought that they were going to win this case. It seems weird to me that it even went as far as it did. Uh, but just from watching it and seeing some of the maneuvers that they're trying to pull and the way that they seem highly disingenuous, um, a little bit, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, a little bit disgusted by the way the system even works here. All right, let's take another, a couple comments and then let's move on to the next topic. Uh, this case hits the spirit of the Second Amendment. If the police are unwilling or incapable of restoring order from violent rioters, private citizens should have the right to defend their communities. And I agree with you. I mean, it's like what everyone's looking at the kid and being like, well, this is horrible that he was going to take matters into his own hands. Right. But I, I, I don't know. Why is that any more horrible than the people who are willing to go into their own town and just destroy the community? And why shouldn't there be punishment for the people that are looking to do that? And like, why do we live in a, in a system where all of those people aren't being prosecuted? How come there aren't a thousand court cases right now with every single person that's destroyed property? Right. Like, I mean, the cops, why, why, why aren't they responsible for that? They're creating an environment that lacks law and order where they're not prosecuting the people that did these crimes. And they're leaving us an environment that unless a 17 year old is willing to show up with a gun to help protect your business, your business is just going to be destroyed by looters. All right. Next comment. We had some for about a week in Tampa, Florida. They shut it down fast and said it wouldn't be tolerated. And they stopped. There you go. If government wants to stop it, they can. And by the way, if they want to prosecute people, they can too. Just look at the January 6th thing. The FBI has gone through like everyone's Facebook profiles. They've gone through the footage. 
Uh, if they want to figure out who the fuck's been destroying property and find you responsible, they easily can. It just and that's the lawlessness of that they get to decide when they are and are not going to enforce these laws. Um, in some of the footage, there's a blowjob going on in the background. You know, I haven't picked up on the yet, but that's a dangerous spot for a blowjob. Like, who wants to be getting their dick sucked and then, like, fucking fire shot goes, Arr! you know what I mean? Like a quick bite and a panic. That seems like a really dangerous spot. Or maybe that's the thrill of it. Maybe if you're in that heated of an environment and you're getting a blowy, you're just popping your load right away because it's fucking exotics. Like, you know, you don't have to be in there for that long. Uh, you know what? Show me that footage, dude. I'll play it on the show, AOC PhD. I, I have yet to see that. Like, I would have been the guy in court just being like, Your Honor. And as my next piece of evidence, there's this guy who's getting a blowjob. It's not relevant to the case, but I just had to respect the fact that he was willing to do this amongst all that chaos. All right, here we go. A couple more comments and we're moving on. Only your side is vigilantes, bigot, LOL. Um, only your side is vigilantes. Not sure that I follow, but if you want to explain your comments, I'll read it. Uh, the prosecution said you can't use deadly force to protect private property. Isn't that what the police do? Uh, I mean, fair enough. Uh, but that's their whole argument is that there's supposed to be one group of people that we actually empower and train to do it. Uh, and so, therefore, we're all comfortable with the fact that the police would have this authority, but other people shouldn't. But then again, I think you and I both know that when push comes to shove, uh, the people that we're relying upon, they don't seem to come through. All right. Two more even a fascist has the right of self-defense, a whore can still be raped, but so many are calling Kyle a Nazi uh, as if that means he's guilty. Uh, all right, agreed. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, I don't think I had anything more that I wanted to say on this case. Uh, how's the audio? Am I still coming in soft? Are we getting through it? All right, next big thing that's been going on is uh, I'm liking there's kind of this backstoryline. Do you guys ever see the movie, uh, the departed and you kind of have these two storylines going on where, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is coming after, uh, is going after Matt Damon. Matt Damon's going after Leonardo DiCaprio. The both it's like a race against the clock. They're both trying to find the other guy out. I kind of feel like that's what's going on right now between, uh, the Biden Trump and, you know, I mean, not that the Clinton's administration, but all of these individuals where you've got, they're trying to unwind the January 6th commission, uh, which, by the way, uh, what's his name is uh, uh, Bannon. I'm, I'm just I don't think he's going to end up in any trouble whatsoever. Uh, like, I think if anything, he's going to have to pay a hundred thousand dollar fine and he'll move on with his life. I don't know exactly why he uh, so adamantly didn't. Well, I, I knew I know why he doesn't want to get pulled in front of Senate, because they're going to ask him questions that are not just related to January 6th. And he, I'm sure he doesn't want to just have to sit there and answer questions. Uh, because that's a tough spot to be in. And I would have enjoyed watching him answer those questions. And I, I, I congressional hearing as much as anybody, uh, but he refused to go. And my guess is nothing's going to actually happen to him. I don't think he's going to get put into jail. Uh, what's interesting, what's going on with January 6th in Durham is that firstly, I think some people in the media really need to lose their jobs. Uh, for three years, they spoke to us about Russia collusion. We called bullshit. Every time I had a conversation with fucking liberal assholes, I had to hear about how Trump is a secret spy for Russia and, you know, going on and on about the, the how our uh, we our democracy has been undermined. Remember that we, we don't have a democracy and people are questioning our democracy. And then it turns out that the Clinton campaign paid some dude to come up with them, some story that turned out to be entirely fucking false. The guy is now uh, I don't know if he's been released from jail, but he was arrested for this fake report. 
How does it take this many years to unwind this story? How do people that have been telling me about Russia collusion for years still have a job? How does every single person like a shift that was the head of the intelligence committee not able to unwind the fact that they were working off of false evidence? How does the show just go on? And that's, by the way, to me, one of the biggest problems with politics is that it takes so long to unwind these lies. It takes so long that by the time they got unwind, like you forget about you forget about the negative consequences. You forget about the fact that the lost political capital, the, the just the, the amount of time we lost in our lives, just yelling that something that wasn't true turned out not to be true. I bet this is going to happen with Corona, too. It like even with uh, you see it now with uh with fucking Fauci and, uh, you know, the lab leak. It took, how much time did it take where you were in trouble if you were saying that this was lab made to that being common knowledge to being that, you know, uh, Fauci actually gave funds to the thing. It takes so much time for these fucking stories to unwind that everyone kind of forgets about, uh, you know, having their content taken down. It's like we, we something needs to be done to speed up this process on bullshit. Uh, well, the volume all of a sudden went way up. I'm just going for it. I don't know. You guys are going to, your, your own fucking uh, eardrums, it, it, that's a you problem. Okay. Uh, the other thing, interestingly, that happened is Biden's uh, mandates, at least at the moment, there's a stay of execution on them. Uh, I wonder if, uh, you know, all these people that felt like their jobs were threatened should be able to have some sort of a recourse against government for a false threat. Uh, I was saying this before, like, how come there isn't some sort of an accountability of government that if they try and mandate a law that turns out to be non-constitutional and then people for some juncture of time are compliant or everyone that lost, let's say somebody lost or quit their job over that mandate. And then the mandate turns out to be unlawful. Uh, do they, we're going to have to have the, the lawyer back on from the Gallo project. Do they, can they sue the government? I mean, the government cost them their job. Um, in an unlawful way, like what, what exactly would be the, uh, the, like what, what's the penalty on that? Or if it turns out that the, uh, vaccines do create some, you know, how, like, imagine if you're a 25 year old and you had to leave your job and you end up getting myocarditis, can then you sue the government that they forced you to get the vaccine or is it, well, we, we didn't actually force you, you chose to keep your job. And it turns out that, you know, if it just held out a little bit longer, the mandate it, isn't this weird thing where they basically it's like they try and force you to blink like they pretend like they I mean, this is the fucking they pretended like they had the authority to tell you that you're not allowed to work your job. And then it turns out that they didn't have that authority. So for one, everyone that. They come back to work or anyone that uh, that was, you know, forced to quit, are they going back to work? I, I wonder, I'm going to assume that over time, it's going to turn out that that will not get turned back around to Biden having had the authority. I think that they played that card, trying to scare as many people as they could. Uh, and I think that they were able to cut down the amount of unvaccinated in this country by about 30% by threat. Uh, and now I think we're at the end of the amount of people that they can uh, try and squeeze into it because as the uh, booster narrative uh, ramps up is the fact that these are going to be able to convince more people that haven't yet been vaccinated to go and get it. Uh, and I don't think that the law is going to end up being on their side. All right, before I move on to the next um, topic, let's take a quick moment and plug. quite a bit. And uh, 
If you have not yet, if you're if you're a pot smoker, dude, just go support the sponsor. YoDelta.com. Load up on gummies. They're as good as any other gummy you've ever had. I'm a big fan of their um, their their hybrid dart. I can tell you that that's a nice, smooth, focusy high. Percent off, and uh, that's for people over the age of 21. And if you've never tried Kratom, let me tell you, Trainwreck, it's good every once in a while. All right, before I move on to the next topic, uh, any comments from you guys uh, in regards to either Durham unwinding the whole Russia collusion nonsense? Are we going to see more people go to jail? Are they maybe going to get so far to the bottom of it? We start finding out Biden's relationship with Ukraine. Uh, I mean, even so, the fucking the, the, the laptop thing and uh, Hunter Biden still gets to just, you know, sell overpriced art. No one seems to have a problem with it. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the next topic. There is a article that I want to read to you guys from The Wall Street Journal. Uh, sometimes I have better instincts. Oh, no, no. Here. This is the first one we got to look at, which I loved, which is, uh, you know, so they, they got the COP26. Everyone's getting together to try and end global warming. Uh, and apparently at this past COP26, they used more emissions uh, than any other time to get there because their work's important. And since their work is important, you know, they can ruin as much of the environment that they need. And for the sake of their work, really, all that we need is for these people to feel the exact same way about economic growth, that economic growth is important. And it's also going to get us to a point where we don't need to rely on uh, on fossil fuels and will give us the resources to even clean up damages that have happened to the environment. So we, that's all we need. We just need them to have the exact same feeling for their work as, as, as all of our works, like the way that they think that, you know, unwinding this for their own profits is important. So economic growth is important too. All right. So sometimes my instincts are better than my actual, uh, you know, knowledge and acumen. So I want to read you guys a little piece from this article. Um, Net zero will make Wall Street richer at mainstream's expense. So I've spoken quite a bit. Uh, and next year, I hope to make this more of a focus of my research and efforts about ESG scores, about the big banks working together to make their investments that otherwise would not be profitable in the market profitable. And so the storyline came out of 450 financial firms that pledged $130 trillion in capital. When I heard that some of the biggest financial firms were getting together and that they're all going to spend money at the same time, I'm like, this kind of sounds like collusion. I mean, this sounds like a version of insider trading where they all go, hey, listen, at the same exact time, we're all going to make a public announcement that we're going to be putting all of our capital into these investments. What do you think is going to happen to those investments? They're obviously going to go up in value. All right. So I just want I'm not going to read the whole article. I do want to read a couple paragraphs here because uh, I think my instincts were good on this one. At the COP26 UN Climate the Change Conference, a group of 450 financial firms pledged $130 trillion capital to finance the transition of net zero emissions. Government mandates have already driven large private capital flows into expanding renewable energy, and now financial firms are eager to kick the phase out of fossil fuels into high gear. The finance industry's palpable excitement is electrifying to climate activists and the politicians who cater them. Wall Street is now squarely on their side, yet the enthusiasm of asset managers and banks is hardly surprising. Any government mandate that a large amount of capital must be swiftly retired and replaced creates a tremendous opportunity for financiers, no matter the underlying reason. All right, here's the important paragraph. Suppose a government announces that all machines of a certain color, say brown, must be destroyed and replaced with machines of a different color, say green. Owners of the brown machine aren't happy, but those who can finance the new green machines will profit handsomely. This artificial demand distorts and 
distorts the efficient allocation of capital and comes at a great cost to economic prosperity. This thought experiment isn't so different from current developments in the, in the energy industry. Government mandates and the incentives are artificially driving demand for renewable energy. The political desire to cater to climate concerns is increasingly benefiting large financial companies, which have been quick to lend their support. Institutional investors have been preparing by reducing their fossil fuel exposure. All I'm trying to say is that these big ass banks trying to pretend like they care about the environment or every time that they try and pretend like they care about regulation, they care about their own profits. Don't buy it for one second. This is their way of, uh, uh, these are fucking weasel moves. This is their way of making sure that their investments are profitable is by creating regulation that it creates artificial demand for the products. You know what artificial demand means? You just got to like think through these things. Artificial demand, right? Means that their product does not really bring real value right? It means that the only reason people are buying it is because there's some element of force. If a product is only made profitable because there's some element of force that they aren't really bringing you real value, that means that like in some ways we're being robbed because something else that was more efficient would have existed. In this case, it's just if energy costs go up, you know, it's a huge driver amongst everything uh, in the economy. All right, enough said on that. Let's move on to the next topic. I'm not ready for this article uh, that I pulled up here yet. Uh, any thoughts from you guys on, uh, um, you know, I, I already have this article in front of me, so I might as well read this for you. Uh, sometimes I see things and I just can't believe either how retarded I am that I can't understand smart people or just how dumb, intelligent people are. Uh, so this was an article about how despite all of the breakthrough infections, uh, you can't say that the vaccine isn't working. It could be that there's a ton of breakthrough infections and all sorts of people. And at some point, everyone might get exposed to Corona and everybody might get sick, but don't say that the vaccine isn't working. So this is a professor of medicine trying to explain how amongst all of the breakthrough cases, uh, we should still view the vaccine as working. Here, I'm going to read it. It's two paragraphs. Carlos Del Rio, a professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at Emory University School of Medicine, compared COVID-19 vaccines and areas of high community transmission to an umbrella in a rainstorm. If I'm in a little bit of rain and I have an umbrella, I'm not going to get wet. Well, if I'm in a hurricane, I'm going to get wet despite wearing an umbrella. That doesn't mean you can say all of a sudden umbrellas don't work very well. It's a hurricane. All right. Except that if the environment is that of a hurricane Going outside with umbrella not only won't help, it might even be more dangerous because you're walking around with a fucking umbrella in a hurricane. So if you're saying that the vaccine only works in light rainstorms, right, but we can't control the world to only be in light rainstorms, if we're currently in a hurricane environment, then by your own admission, there's no reason to take the fucking vaccine. If you're saying that if we're in an environment where there's so much sickness that the vaccine doesn't work, well, if then that, if that's in the environment that we're in, then the vaccine doesn't fucking work. You don't have it both ways. Like she's trying to say, well, if there's just moderate sickness everywhere, the vaccine, well, that's not the environment we live in. So then you don't have a working product for this environment. All right, Nick Tesla, he caught it right away. An umbrella would be worthless in a hurricane. Exactly. So if you're saying that our current environment is like a hurricane, then you're also saying that the fucking vaccine is worthless. Um, excellent take on hurricanes. All right, fine. Thanks, everybody. Let's move on. Uh, next thing I want to pull up, as long as we are on the topic of uh, the coronavirus, let's take a watch of the latest spat between Fauci and Rand Paul. Um, 
I actually, I've not watched this in a long time, so let's give it a full watch and we'll see what's up here. Here we go. Let me get some volume here. Alliance did perform experiments in Wuhan that created viruses not found in nature that actually did gain in lethality. The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain of function. Is that echoing if I'm not wearing headphones? Let me know. If not, I'm just going to continue to play it. Research in Wuhan, despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created. And yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeld of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. You mislead the public by saying that the published viruses could not be COVID. Well, exactly no one is alleging that. No one is alleging that the published viruses by the Chinese are COVID. What we are saying is that this was risky type of research, gain-of-function research. It was risky to share this with the Chinese and that COVID may have been created from a not-yet-revealed virus. We don't anticipate the Chinese are going to reveal the virus if it came from their lab. You know that, but you continue to mislead. You continue to support NIH money going to Wuhan. You continue to say you trust the Chinese scientist. You appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain-of-function is a very nebulous term. We have- All right, so we, we already got a pause. We, we already got to pause because this is such an amazing claim by Fauci, where now that it is clear that he's engaged in gain-of-function research, he wants everyone to know, hey, um, I don't like the way you're selling gain-of-function to people. Gain-of-function is actually really productive. And yes, it's something that we've done. Yes, it's something that I funded despite you know being told that we weren't supposed to fund it. And yes, it's something that I worked with the Chinese Communist Russia Party—I mean, the Chinese Communist Party on. Uh, but this is a nebulous term. I, I don't think that we should be categorizing the research that I paid for that have created a pandemic and could create another one as being 
uh, bad. Let, let's uh, this is now a nebulous term. We we can't th- gain a function. This phraseology is toxic because you've managed to educate the the uh, the public about its dangers, and so therefore I'd like to use a different term because the public is now a little bit too well educated about the fact that obviously this type of research would be a mistake. Let's continue. Spent not us but outside bodies considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. And now this is back to his other lie, which is, yes, I engaged in gain of function, but it wasn't gain of function of concern. That's his newest lie, is that gain of function is not an issue. It's that some gain of function, oh shit, are we going to lose the video here? Fuck you, Fox. We were on a good flow. My God, everything's going wrong today. First we lose sound, then we then we lose our video. I'm just trying to pause it so I can uh, explain to you Fauci's lies. Now we now we gotta now we gotta watch a whole fucking commercial here. Oh, this is great. You guys don't even see what's on my screen. You're just like, what the fuck's he lying about? It's because uh, Fox decided to move to the next video and uh, play me an ad about some 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 T-shirts, which I can't trash because I think they're a sponsor and part of the problem. But I don't know what WGU is. And it fucking sucks. All right, give it a second, and then we'll be back into this video. Uh, the PhD from AOC nailed it right off the bat with, uh, do you mean precise? Okay, I think we were at the beginning of Fauci trying to explain to us gain of function of concerns. So let's see if I can get it back to there. Here we go. First of all, gain of function is a very nebulous term. We have spent, not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called P3CO. Look at this. So he's trying to redefine things and go, yes, you busted me. It's true. What we did was gain a function, but we're trying to come up with new terms because uh, looking at what I did as being bad or evil is not going to be a good approach. And uh, you know what? We're going to have to watch the video straight through and I will comment at the end because apparently if you pause it, uh, they're automatically skipping us. So, No more commentary till the end. And one more video from how did this lesbian somehow get hotter as she got older? I want to figure out like someone should post uh, specifically. I guess who in Hollywood does the uh, better surgeries? Because, you know, some people, they come out looking terrible. All right, here we go. I don't need to waste time with my stupid nonsense. Here we go. Not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called... P3CO. We're aware that you deleted gain of function from the NIH website. Well, I can get back to that in a moment if we have time, but let's get back to the operating framework and guide rails of which we operate under. And you have ignored them. The guidelines are very, very clear that you have to be dealing with a pathogen that clearly is shown and very likely to be highly transmissible in an uncontrollable way in humans and to have a high degree of morbidity and mortality and that you do experiments to enhance that hence the word e p p 
enhanced pathogens of potemic. But, but, but so when EcoHealth Alliance took the virus, well, SAC014 and combined it with WIV1 and caused a recombinant virus that doesn't exist in nature, and it made mice sicker, mice that had humanized cells, you're saying that that's not gain of function? research according to the framework and guidelines so what you're doing is defining a way gain of function no. you're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the nih website this is terrible and you're you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab there's the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab and what you've done is change the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass basically that's what you've done. You've changed the website okay. to try to have a new definition that doesn't include the risky research that's going on. Until you admit that it's risky, we're not going to get anywhere. You have to admit that this research was risky. The NIH has now rebuked them. Your own agency has rebuked them. All right. That's enough for this for now. I will say God bless Rand Paul, uh, because if it wasn't for Rand Paul, who would have gotten who would have busted Fauci on this? And Fauci might even get away with it. Fauci might not even end up in trouble but at least some people can be awake and we've got a clear track record of the fact that this guy has been lying and bears some responsibility for what happened. But can you imagine a government without Rand Paul where there wasn't one Senator who was able to kind of put together this information and put it right in front of Fauci and hold his feet to it? How is it, how is it also that Rand's the other guy? Where's Ted Cruz on this stuff? Where's some of the other guys on this stuff? But like, can you just imagine, I mean, if Rand didn't exist, it would be zero hedge saying, hey, I think uh, I think that this was gain of function and we wouldn't have anybody actually kind of holding his feet to the fire to see that he's absolutely and clearly lying. And obviously now him changing the definition to some P whatever, blah, 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 would highlight the fact that in the earlier ones where he said that this was not gain of function, uh, he was lying. It is. Now he's trying to say, well, gain of function is not a problem. It's this P. Well, what happened was fucking gain of function and created a problem. Like, how do you possibly walk away from this one? All right. Last video that I want to show. Uh, it's actually going to be two videos because this kind of caught my eye. And uh, if you're an econ nerd, I thought that this was pretty funny. It's not funny in a traditional stand-up comedy way. You got to be a real nerd to think this is funny. But uh, I'm going to play this video where uh, Biden is trying to talk about the supply line issues. Here we go. It takes to get to your doorstep. In simple terms, supply chain is just the journey that a product takes to get to your doorstep. Raw materials, plus labor, assembly, shipping, everything it takes to create the finished product. These supply chains are complex. Even, even products as simple as a pencil can have to use the wood from Brazil, graphite from India, before it comes together at a factory in the United States to get a pencil. Sounds silly, but that's literally how it happens. So if all of a sudden you got COVID crisis in Brazil, you can't get the product because the plant shuts down. That's what's happening. Products like smartphones often bring together parts from France, Italy, chips from the Netherlands, touchscreens from New York State, camera components from Japan, supply chain that crosses dozens of countries. That's just the nature of a modern economy, the world economy. But global supply chains have helped dramatically bring down price we pay for things we buy. But they also made us much more reliant on what happens in other parts of the world. So if a factory in Malaysia shuts down due to a COVID outbreak, which they have, it causes a ripple effect that can slow down 
Okay, so here's why I wanted to showcase this video, and here's why I want to pause it. Biden is essentially advocating for more centralized policies when it comes to supply lines, and that we need more, uh, you know, uh, top, more centralized government planning on the goods that we get to go, hey, we need government policies to come in and create mandates around where items are made. And that's the only way that we're going to end up being able to get the products that we need. And what's interesting about this, and as they, you know, become, and by the way, there's no conversation about, well, what government mandates uh, ruin these supply lines, right? What happened to some of these factories? What happened, you know, with the, uh, and this goes back to Trump, but what were the trade policies with China that people needed to move their factories? Or what's been going on in the United States that, you know, that port wasn't working 24-7? What policies have had people out of their jobs? What has gone on here that, um the supply lines aren't working properly. And so what's funny to me is he pulls up the pencil example and he tries to say, hey, look at the importance of and how many different things need to come together for a pencil. And while it's not specifically in this video, uh, my general takeaway is that he's using these lines to try and say, here's why government needs to get more involved in our supply lines. Uh, So now I want to play for you because this pencil example is kind of a, I've heard it and seen it in quite a few kind of econ books. And it's always an example for the power of the free market of how many different elements need to come together and why a centralized authority can't be responsible for all these elements. It's like the free market is this wonderful world where all these different things can come together in an efficient way that no one individual or no centralized authority could possibly put together. And so Biden's kind of distorting this to pretend like that there's an issue with the way that the free market is kind of constructing itself. And so therefore government needs to come in, step in and, you know, make it more efficient. So here's Milton Friedman uh, on the exact same pencil thing. Look at this lead pencil. There's not a single person in the world who could make this pencil. Remarkable statement. Not at all. The wood from which it's made for all I know, comes from a tree that was cut down in the state of Washington. To cut down that tree, it took a saw. To make the saw, it took steel. To make the steel, it took iron ore. This black center, we call it lead, but it's really graphite, compressed graphite. I'm not sure where it comes from, but I think it comes from some mines in South America. This red top up here, the eraser, bit of rubber, probably comes from Malaya, where the rubber tree isn't even native. It was imported from South America by some businessmen with the help of the British government. This brass ferrule, I haven't the slightest idea where it came from, or the yellow paint, or the paint that made the black lines, or the glue that holds it together. Literally thousands of people cooperated to make this pencil. People who don't speak the same language who practice different religions, who might hate one another if they ever met. When you go down to the store and buy this pencil, you are in effect trading a few minutes of your time for a few seconds of the time of all those thousands of people. What brought them together and induced them to cooperate to make this pencil? There was no commissar sending out offices from, sending out orders from some central office. It was a magic of the cooperate 
to make this pencil so that you could have it for a trifling sum. That is why the operation of the free market is so essential, not only to promote productive efficiency, but even more to foster harmony and peace among the peoples of the world. There you go. Straight from Milton Freeman's ears. I don't need to uh, recap that one for you guys. I think he said it as clearly and directly as possible. And so when Biden starts rehashing these exact same principles of why the free market works so well to advocate for socialism and top-down economics, uh, you know, just he's lying to all of us and he's getting it wrong. All right, that's the show. Sadly, I'm going to have to record all of this for the actual podcast version. So if you want to hear uh, the exact same episode again, you can go download that. Uh, and if not, in a minimum, you know, go uh, review, subscribe, share with your friends, jerk off to some audio content, you know, help me grow whatever the fuck I'm doing. RobbieTheFire.com slash shows. I'm going to put it right here. You got dates coming up. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this, if you're the guy from Albany, please hit me up. Uh, uh, the next one that we are doing is going to be, uh, uh, hold on one second. Let me just pull this up. RobbieTheFire.com slash shows. Everything is there except for the Chicago Late Show. Uh, it hasn't posted to my website yet. So you can go get that off of Eventbrite. Uh, the early show, I think there's two tickets left. If not, it is sold out. Running my end of year recap, uh, followed by uh, second show is going to be Stand Up in a Live Podcast with BK Chris. I've got Mexico with Peddling Fiction and a bunch of other really cool libertarian podcasters. Uh, Atlanta starting to move some tickets over there. Uh, New Hampshire, second night first uh, sold out, first night still available. Philly and Maryland, tickets still available. Uh, New York City, if you're in New York City, we got a show going on at Old Man Hustle. Uh, so hit it up, come out to a live show. That's all I got. Uh, we'll take a couple comments, uh, Kenoji or something saying, uh, Godspeed, wish me luck. Thank you. Ching's telling me to put down the, ta- uh, the pencil. This guy, meanwhile, we need to increase taxes for you. All right. I'll give you guys one more comment. Lex comment is going to be the last comment to be read. And then we're calling it a Sunday. And then I get to take a break and re-record this. Yay me. And, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta build out a permanent space. It's on me at this point. It's cause I'm lazy. And that's why I keep having these tech issues. All right. Last one is uh, this fellow. Wish me luck. I wish you luck. All right. Later, everybody. Thank you.